On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, 10 lessons learned from 10 years in the pastorate. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's been said that experience is the best teacher. And today, during the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we're interviewing Dr. Dace Clifton, our very own, on 10 practices he is employing in his life and ministry after 10 years pastoring the same church. Dace, congratulations. You've been at your church now for a decade. Yeah, that's hard to believe, man. A decade sounds like a big number, but it's gone really fast. It's been fun. It's been sanctifying. Um, It's not all been easy, that's for sure. But man, I'm thankful to God for the journey. Yeah. And so give us a little bit of context for uh, where you're at. I know you're at uh, First Baptist Heiko, and and we don't talk about that uh, a whole lot, but you're in the senior pastor role. Uh, For those who are joining us today, can you kind of give a little bit of context on on where you're at, your experience, maybe a little bit about Heiko, uh, just so they can connect with you? Well, sure. I I had a career uh, 10 years uh, in law enforcement in a large city prior to being a pastor. And uh, my father was a pastor and then a police officer as well. And so um, after a law enforcement career, 10 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I transitioned to the role of senior pastor here at this church. It's a the town is about 1,300 people. It's kind of central Texas. We're about an hour and 15 minutes from several major metro areas. And uh, yeah, it's a church of about 140 years, and I'm the longest serving pastor at 10 wow. years. So that's that's kind of cool. That's been pretty neat. Most of the, there were two guys that, one that, that hit seven and a half, another one that hit eight and a half years. And then in the rest of that 140 years, it was like, you know, two, three, a couple of fives, but that was about it. And so yeah, it's been been cool. This the churches we have actually uh, we have a state licensed child care facility here, so we have several staff for that. We've got a few staff. We have probably let's see, we've got two part time and then two full time plus me, so about five staff here at the church. As far as the people that are engaged, uh, you know, it is a smaller church. When I count everybody up from children, youth, those engaged Sundays and Wednesdays, it's somewhere around 225, 250 that are engaged in the totality when you count everything up. Yeah. And in a, in a town of 1500, that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. and I know some people are coming from outside probably and, and things like that. So, yeah. And, and, and 250 is not the number that I preach to on a Sunday morning, but I'm just, I'm accounting gotcha. everybody up there, you know, certainly. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at 10 so- years now. And I've learned a few things on the way. I was going to say, and so you're not the uh, average is probably not the right word to use, but maybe the the oh. nominal mean. I'm, I'm not sure the statistical term here, but uh, <laughs> you're somewhere in the middle, probably uh, of just pastors, and and meaning that you're probably like a a, a ton of pastors uh, of churches that that have been uh, faithful. Maybe maybe you've got some tenure now, uh, but being at the same church with a family, uh, preaching to the same people every week, and um, I, I think you know sometimes we. Can lose uh, 
perspective, maybe in ministry, because we see those with big platforms and think that uh, that is something to aspire. And and certainly God can work uh, in and through those ministries. Yeah. Um, but you've been now at First Baptist Heiko for, for a whole decade. And, and so there's some things that you do different uh, now than you did originally. And in some ministry, uh, we're probably not talking about uh, deep theological things here, but more life practice uh, in your life and ministry, uh, just kind of how you're doing it, right? Well, that that's exactly right. And the, the 10 things that I'm going to share, Kyle, some of these are going to be transferable to the folks that are listening, maybe that serve in similar contexts or other contexts, but some of them are not going to be. They're unique to me and my context. And I think that's a really important lesson to state at the outset of this type of conversation. You know, one of the mistakes that I made that's not on the list, Kyle, when I was early in ministry, I would see somebody that was successful in ministry and I would listen to something like this and the the 10 things they were doing. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I need to implement those 10 things. And you've got to be really careful with that type of thing. I mean, these are the types of things that work for me based on this context and my personality and how God made me. And so that's sure. really important. And so not all these are going to apply to everybody, but maybe there's a few things here perhaps that, and, and some of the things that are on my list, not everybody's going to be able to do, by the way. Um, the first one in particular, you know, so anyway. Well, I'm excited, Dace, to get into it. But before we do, uh, just a quick recap. If, if you're new to the Thriving Ministry podcast, you know, each and every week we talk to pastors and church leaders um, really about how they are thriving. And, and yep. some of the ways that that we've seen that they do that is through creating margin, avoiding burnout. Uh, they're leading effectively. Uh, and so that is why we want to have conversations for and to uh, pastors, church leaders is because is we're here for you. Um, and, and so Dace, I'm ready to get into this. Uh, let's talk about it because you said, Hey, you don't have to make it uh, mistakes, but, but some that you have experienced, um, I, I think you get to learn from those. So, uh, let's get into it. 10 years, uh, at the same church. What are the 10 things? Uh, give me the first one. Well, the first one is uh, pretty straightforward. It's taking more time off. And so for a significant part of this 10 years, you know, Originally, when I got hired here, the church gave me two weeks off, and that's a whole separate conversation that a, a pastor of, of virtually any size church needs more than two weeks off, and you can email me back and we can talk about that, <laughs> but I take more time off. I'm kind of a, I can have workaholic type tendencies in my own personal life, and so now that I've been here 10 years, the past few years, the church has been very gracious to give me significant time off. They gave me a sabbatical uh, about eight, two years ago. And then now, uh, every year they give me a significant chunks of time off, which has really been a blessing. And that time off is not, uh, necessarily working less hours during the week. What you're talking about is extended either Sundays off or weeks, uh, off at a given time. Is that right? When you talk about taking more time off, it's not about working less hours necessarily during the week. It's about taking breaks. Yeah, that's that's right. And I'll be specific. And I, I, I kind of hesitate to share this a little bit, Kyle, because there may be some guys that are listening that they're like, man, this could never happen at my church and you're crazy. And sure. And so, for example, they actually give me more time off on, on the books than I actually do take uh, because but basically for health and maintenance and longevity, they give me a, a 30 day break. And then I get some additional vacation time, a few weeks in addition on top of that. I, I actually, they actually give me more time than I'll take off. But so for example, this past year, I took off the month of July 
and then I took off uh, spring break. So, so five weeks basically is what I'll typically do. And I'll basically do that pretty much from here on out. There may be a day or two in there of hunting, you know, that may be an additional day, but sure. that's where I'm going to sure. be now early on in ministry. And even my first few years here at the church, the idea that they would have given me that much time is, uh, was not in my mind, nor was it in their mind or imagination. Yeah. And I think for some people listening, you know, that time off can be a touchy subject, especially if yeah. you are living in a state or an area away from family and maybe yeah. you can't get back for Thanksgiving. We're, we're around the holidays now. Maybe you you want to spend time with family. Yep. Uh, maybe after Christmas, I, I think that can be touchy. And so uh, keep in mind for the for those who are listening, that is one thing uh, oftentimes that, that you can negotiate um, that's going to help you uh, get to a decade and beyond. Well, and it, it is, and I'll, I'll say this, it's interesting. People that are listening, they're going to have a lot of different opinions on what I just said. And my, I have a mentor who, man, that guy, he's one of the best pastors I know. He takes about a week and a half off a year and he meets with 40 people a week. He's a very unique individual, dynamic individual. We've had him on the podcast. It's actually, it's Mike Fritcher yeah. and God created him differently than me. I will tell you- <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not dynamic. I will tell you that when I come back from from taking that time off, man, I'll tell you, my cup is so full. I'm so energized. I'm a different person in the office. I'm a different person regarding my ministry mindset. I mean, I just want to get back in there and and see things happen. I want to get back in there, pursue God, pursue my calling, love my family, love my church, and it just energizes me. And for somebody that's listening to this and you know, you're like, oh, that could never happen. That's, you know, there's no way in my church. Um, hey, don't discount what God can do over time and your faithfulness. Do I think that a new pastor should come into a church and say, hey, I need eight weeks off a year. That's how it is. <laughs> you better be very careful about that. Go, this, yeah, this, right. <laughs> that, that's not the counsel I'm giving here, actually. I'm just telling you that over time, as you serve in, in one place over a long period of time, and as you love people, um, it'll become clear you know, what you need to do and you'd be surprised at the ways in which, you know, the people of God can love you when you, you do your best to love them and, and, and be faithful to the Lord. All right. Well, your second point, I'm going to beat you to it, but it's getting into the office earlier. This is some stuff that you and I have talked about yep. um, off off the podcast. But uh, tell me a little bit about that, why you put that as number two on your list of 10, getting well, into the office earlier. Well, that's a layup for some people. For me, it's hard. I'm a night owl. And so it's not uncommon for me to once again, stay up really late at night because I like to do that. I'm in the zone after everybody goes to bed and I'll study and I'll read or watch things, you know, but as a choice of how I want to order my life, I make it a conscious choice to get in the office early. I'm the first person in the office uh, typically every day. So when I do that, I get in early, I, I work, and then I'm also one of the first to leave. And so I usually, a usual day for me, I get in, you know, about seven and then I leave about three. And so uh, it's just a practice that works well, even though I'm a night owl. Well, and it does help when you're the first one in, uh, maybe those first couple hours before people, you know, start stopping by asking questions. I won't say interrupting your day, but, uh, it is helpful to get in early, get a couple hours before other people start getting up and up and moving. And I'm with you. I mean, seven o'clock, seven thirty is usually, uh, the latest I would ever be in, but, uh, certainly for me and, and what I get to do, uh, man, six thirty is like my prime. If I can get in six thirty, yeah. something like that, uh, it helps me get a jump start on the day. Uh, like, 
like yeah. no one's business. So, Can, well, let me just one little side note and just to dovetail these two things together, you know, when you take you know significant time off, but then yet, for example, I get up early in the office and then I'm also staying up really late. This may kind of sound kind of surprising. It's okay to be tired. So long yeah, as you actually yeah. have designated periods of time where you are really switched off. Cause I'm tired a lot of the time, but then I take time to get untired if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's okay to work hard. It's okay to, to, it's okay. Even sometimes it's okay to work long hours sometimes. So long as you're not doing that all the time and you're never taking time off, that's where you fall into sure. the trap and that's where you burn a bridge. And, and I will kind of jump in here. Uh, I know we've got eight more of these, so we'll probably have to speed up, but getting in the office earlier, pastor, if, if I were just giving you some, some practical advice, um, Dace, I think you have seen a benefit where especially in Heiko in a small town where people are going to work, yeah. um, you know, I think uh, people, it, it could be said that people in your congregation may joke, hey, what does that pastor do all week? Yeah. Um, it probably helps them understand when they drive to work and they see your truck or they see your car yeah. uh, in the church parking lot. Um, they're like, oh, he's, he's really, he's really getting after it in there. Um, so, so I think it's a practical thing, honestly, to yeah. say, hey, I'm here. And I know we're stretching this out, man, but it's there's just something to say here. Not everybody, um, not every pastor embraces that that model where they keep these real stringent office hours. Now, I'm in and out of the office pretty much all day. You know, I mean, I'm going to meetings, and we'll talk about something here a little bit later down the list, which intentionally gets me out of the office to interact with the community. But um, I like being in the office, just to be honest with you. I like being here. I like being in my study. I like being around my books and doing that type of thing. Some pastors I know, man, they hate the office. And hey, if that's you, you know, you've got to figure out your plan. So sure. I'll leave it at that. All right. So taking more time off, getting into the office earlier. Dace, give us a point three. You've got to prioritize your relationship. So the third point is I, I date my wife during the week. And so every week. And in fact, we did it yesterday. We, I picked her up, we went to lunch together and ran an errand together and we call that a day date. And so, yeah, it's just us, no kids, the kids are in school. And so we just little intentional and just that, you know, hour and a half we got to spend together. That was awesome. Um, a lot of times I'll call her because, you know, our house is just a few miles down the road. And I'll say, hey, let's get a cup of coffee and I'll run home and and we'll sit on the back porch and drink a cup of coffee together when I have need a break. And so that's a pretty usual practice. Her boss doesn't seem to mind. She works remotely from home. At least he, I don't know that he even knows about this. So, uh, yeah, that's what we do. That's awesome. <laughs> well, nothing like ratting <laughs> out your wife uh, here, on a, here on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> you, make, you make me laugh, Dace Clifton. All right. So dating your wife, I'm just curious if you count those as workable hours, you know, I mean, that hour and a half Never. lunch, no. uh, -uh. not for she, you. She, no, she, I'm talking about for you. She, no. <laughs> she, she doesn't either. If, if her boss is listening. Yeah. She always clocks out. Yeah. Very meticulous with her hours. Uh, do I count those as workable hours? I mean, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm not trying to hit a particular number, but I will tell you as a side note, I mean, I typically, if I were to count it up, we're probably talking 50 hours a week cool. for sure. Aside from dates and lunch fine you can you can go on a on a long extended lunch break very good all right dating your wife was number three number four since i'm looking ahead at these notes it says prayer walking downtown 
So, you know, when I get in the office, I'll uh, pray, have some quiet time, read the scripture. Then I like to get in and, and study. I'll start studying some things, either the sermon that I'm going to be working on or another project or maybe doing something with the podcast, things of that nature. And then after I have to work in spurts. And so after about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, I want to take a mental break. And so if if I was not on this podcast with you, it's nine o'clock where we're at right now. Um, I would probably be grabbing my cup of coffee and going for a walk. My church is probably about, I don't know, four blocks from a downtown area that's actually pretty thriving and there's a lot of businesses. And so I'll go, I've got this little route where I'll go and I'll walk probably the equivalent of about six or seven blocks, but I go through the downtown area and this is a pretty new thing for me over the past couple of months. But every time I do this, man, I bump into somebody in the community. I pray for people. I'm not going down there intentionally to do anything other than prayer walk and drink coffee, but man, I meet people this way and uh, build relationships this way. And it's a really, <laughs> it's a, it gets me out of the office sure, and, uh, and it gets me, you know, good FaceTime, good interaction, with my community, with people, church members, and people that are just in the community that I need to meet and and talk to. Very good. So uh, to recap real quick, taking more times off, getting into the office earlier, uh, going on dates uh, with your wife during the week, and prayer walking downtown. Give us a point, you know, five, and then we'll move on to six and seven. So I'm a preaching guy, and I've got a PhD now in preaching. And so I've spent a lot, significant part of my life studying preaching. What I'm discovering now in my 10th year, how important it is to use visual illustrations, tools, and videos. And, you know, for some of you, like your first year, you're sitting there, oh, well, duh, Dace, of course that's important. For me, you know, I'm, I'm a person that's really uh, serious about the importance of God's word and preaching God's word. I love preaching. I love listening to sermons that are good, and even if they're long. but I just, over the past few years, I use more and more visual illustrations, tools, and videos. Last week, uh, I used a video on the temple because I was preaching in Ephesians 2, and and the, the metaphor that Paul's interacting with there is he's using, he's talking about the church being the temple of God in the latter part of Ephesians 2. And so in his mind, he's going back to the the, the, the temple in Jesus' day, right? And so I, show, I showed a little, a really cool little two-minute video, which was a reconstruction of the temple in Jesus' day, which really set the tone and it, it really contributed to what I was you know, trying to open up in the text. The week before that, I think my opening illustration, I had a a bottle of pills. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I won't even get into it, but I was talking <laughs> about, hey, what would it take for me to get you to take one of these pills? And what if I told you I found the bottle in the parking lot? You know, and so people are like, you know what? But it got their attention. The week before that, I mean, I've done everything. I mean, I've used cinder blocks, all types of crazy stuff. And I didn't start out that way. I'm not a seeker guy. I mean, you know, some people like, oh, creative preaching, that is right where they're at. That's not me. I'm like the You're anti seeker. We we've talked about this. Anti-seeker. I'm like the I'm like the I'm like the old school biblical exegesis guy, but the older I get, the more I use this type of stuff. But it fits the text. I'm not I study the text first and then I come up with something. I don't come up with something and say I need a scripture to to meet this thing. So yeah. but I'm doing it. Yeah. More visual illustrations. I think I think it's helpful for people. And one of the reasons why I think that is more beneficial today, you know, in this generation of just hypermedia and just being bombarded all day long, I think our attention spans have gotten shorter. And one of the, I don't want to say it's a problem, but sometimes for pastors, you've gone to seminary, you know, you're used to an academic setting, right? That you're sitting for hour, two hours plus. 
sometimes people in your audience are, are it's been a long time since they've been in any sort of school right exactly um and 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 this was probably the longest time that they may be sitting in a week if, if they work uh, a job with their hands um they're not used to going yeah. to meetings or, or sitting in on things that are really, really long. So I think the shorter and then, and then for me, you know, even yeah. just seeing a visual, uh, helps me uh, think about it. I mean, I still remember a, a sermon from two, three years ago, uh, where our pastor was, had a plant up on stage, right. And was talking about the roots and, and all this other stuff. And so I honestly cannot even remember the passage that he was script, he was preaching at the time, but I remember the illustration, right. Um, it, it, it can be powerful. And I'm glad you shared that. And it reminds me of a sermon that I did about a series actually about probably 24 months ago, and it was called principles to live by. And once again, not really, it sounds topical, but I was exegeting specific passages, five of them each, you know, five different passages for five weeks. And what I did was I got these cinder blocks and I color coded these cinder blocks. And I was talking about, you know, using these principles to live by that we find specifically in the scripture. And the funny thing about it is I had these five different cinder blocks. I'd spray painted each one a different color and that color corresponded like, you know, for something growth related, obviously it was green and for glory of God in your life, you know, to capture, you know, all of God in your life, you know, gold. And when I was done with that, people were like, man, I wish we, we need these blocks again. You know, people really liked it. And maybe that was just because they weren't used to seeing me do illustrations like that, but it right. really resonated. And so I don't know if they remember the sermon series, but they remember the blocks. <laughs> All right. So more visual illustrations, uh, doing what you love with guys in your circle, your, your band of brothers, your men, your tribe, whatever you call them. Uh, that is your six point. Uh, what do you call that? Doing what I love with my men. I, yep. uh, that seems kind of weird days. So I don't know. <laughs> well, let me provide a little bit of context. And so, uh, you know, last night, well, this is getting even weirder, huh? Last night, let me tell you where I was, Kyle. I was with one of the men in my church. This is actually true, okay. man. I actually went. We probably should edit a lot of this out because it's getting kind of creepy. But I last night, Kyle. I uh, yeah, it's it's. It's December 1 today. This is deer season here. Uh, once again, the culture that I live in, it is hunting, it is fishing, it is ranching. So I was with a guy in my church who's one of my deacons, uh, and we were on one of the ranches that he manages hunting. And uh, man, I love it. It was fun. And you know, we didn't we didn't get anything. We saw a lot of deer. We saw a lot of animals. There were no shooters, so to speak. Uh, but uh, we had a great time, and we talked about life about leadership we talked about cryptocurrency actually we <laughs> talked about several things it's a lot of fun man Good. and it was fun for me but man i got to know that brother you know in a way that i never would just with a hey how you doing bro and out the door on a sunday you got to spend yeah. time with your people yeah and i was fortunate enough uh, over thanksgiving that i got to spend some time with with guys that i really enjoy hanging out with and and we'll eat lunch together quite frequently, but, um, there was even some time we, we stayed out a little bit later and just sat around and talk, which was odd. But, yeah. um, you know, honestly, there were stuff that I was finding out that I was like, holy cow, I, I can't, can't believe I didn't know you were going through this over the last couple months and, and all yeah. this. And, and so it was really interesting, uh, hanging out, having people around you that you can confide in, uh, that you can build trust in. And, and honestly, accountability here yeah. uh, is, is huge. So, so having others around you, uh, I think is the sixth point that you would say, uh, that you do better today or differently than you did 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. 
And then on number seven, this is a pretty important one, delegating more responsibility. Kyle, delegation is an art form. It's a skill that you have to learn as a pastor. I mean, everybody talks about delegation and you've got to know yourself. You've got to know your context and your people in order to properly delegate. Uh, because if you if you don't know how to delegate, well, there's a lot of things that will happen. Number one, you'll get stressed out. If you delegate the wrong thing, it gets done in a way that the results are terrible. And so, man, it's taken me a while to learn how to do this well. I, I won't say that I do it extremely well, but I'll say there's been some progress made in the past 10 years where I've learned kind of some of the skill and the art to delegate well, knowing myself and then also knowing you know, the, the people that I serve and the unique context. Well, I want to, I want to kind of actually hit on a different word. So, uh, your, your thing was delegating more responsibility, right? That's, that's kind of your tagline for the seventh point. And most people would pick up on the word delegating there. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus in on responsibility, right? And so a lot of times when people are talking about delegation, they're thinking delegating tasks, right? Uh, But I actually like the responsibility part better. Um, And I Mm. think earlier on in ministry, um, pastors, church leaders, if you're listening, you may feel like you have to do it all. And and maybe it is true. Maybe you're a church planter and and you're getting started and you don't have a a great team or a whole bunch uh, of people, resources around you. You know, so maybe you can't delegate the responsibility out, Um, but we can all delegate tasks and sometimes we confuse that. But delegating the responsibility says, hey, this is yours. Run with it. Go with it. Uh, Because pastors, church leaders, you got people coming to you all the all the time saying, hey, you know what we should do? Right. And and to be able to say, well, thank you. I'm going to give you the responsibility to run with that uh, is maybe maybe really key there uh, more so than the delegation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a great point. Another, we could also add the word empowering people. I mean, that's a, sure. there's a skill and an art form to doing that. You've got, and you know, as in pastoral leadership, I think about this. <laughs> I mean, everything, what keeps me in the game is life transformation. I want to see people know Jesus, love him and follow him. Right. And, and you've yeah. got to get people off the bench and you've got to be the type of person to know people and then see man, what could God do in this person's life? And sometimes they just need that little push and they're not going to get that push from the sermon you preach. They're going to get that push when you come up to them and you say, you know, I've been thinking about this and thinking about you and praying. What would you think about this? And I really would love to see you in this role. And people are waiting. Sometimes people are waiting for you to ask them and you say, well, I asked them from the pulpit. Hey, (laughs) it's not as effective sometimes as you go into them personally and saying, hey, it's time to get moving. Sure. Hey, Dace, I know one thing that you've been doing, at least over the last couple of years as we've known each other, is starting off the year reading through the Bible, uh, the entire Bible, in 30 days. Uh, I think that's your eighth point for us today. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, this January will be my third go through. So I've only done this twice. Um, I highly commend it. It doesn't sound possible. It absolutely is possible. Um, there, It's called The Shred. It's a 30-day Bible reading plan. It takes about two hours a day. And uh, what I do is I'll get up, I'll read for about 45, 50 minutes in the morning. I'll read for 20 or 30 minutes um, at lunch. And then at night uh, before bed, I'll spend another hour. A lot of times in that final hour, hour and a half of reading, I'll uh, I'll try to get ahead for the next day. So you can kind of stay on this. And it's I've only done it two times, but it's been a unique experience each time. You know, God's just pulled some things out uh, that, you know, that were unique to that each experience. I anticipate this third experience to be equally fruitful and beneficial in my life. And man, I I plan on doing this 
as long as it's effective in my life, I feel like it's just really been a blessing, you know, to do so. Very cool. Number nine, uh, trying to listen more, but caring less. Now I've got to qualify this a little bit because it sounds like I don't care. I am, uh, in my, in 10 years, you, you need to listen to your people and listen to what they're saying. And that really, that just has to be taken into account, uh, for your whole ministry methodology. And I'll give you an example over the past 30 days or 45 days. Um, there's been a few things that I have said no to, or I have put off in the life of the church because I could tell, I could sense, and most importantly, I was listening and hearing that my people were at that point when, hey, they need a little bit of break. You know, uh, if I started a new initiative or a new project, you know, I could, I could, hey, I need you to do this thing, and I could get some traction. But are they going to be able to do it with joy? Are they going to be able to do it with uh, their eyes centered on Christ? Or is it just going to make, is it just another thing that's going to make them weary? And uh, we want people in our church to experience life, not weariness. We want people to experience the freedom in Christ, not a lengthy list of you better do or you better don't. And this is how it is because it's your, you know, et cetera. And so, I mean, I'm trying to listen to people. And then the caring less part, what I'm referring to when I say caring less I'm talking about caring less about maybe the perceptions and uh, are people happy with me or am I, you know, am I, am I, you know, people pleasing type stuff. That's what I'm talking about. The caring less. I'm trying to be less of a people pleaser and care less about those peripheral things and, uh, you know, more about God. Right. So, yeah, trying to listen more and care less. Yeah. And I think it's about not taking it personally. Right. So yeah, it, totally. it doesn't it let stuff roll off your back a little bit more. Um, and I think yeah. we see this if, if Dace, you were to look forward, you know, either 10 years from now or someone who's, who's been in ministry 30, 40 years, yeah. you know, maybe what you would see is maybe a lot sweeter, kinder, or I think the other one is you could see the curmudgeon, right? So I think over time, we <laughs> yeah. kind of go to the side where either we're like, hey, you know, they, they listen really well and, and yeah. they, they have all this, you know, they don't take things personally, right? Or the other half of it is it's all about them and, and my coffee's not hot enough. And, and so uh, I, I like that one. Listen more and caring less. That's a great point, Kyle. Let me just point out one other thing. You know, for some younger pastors uh, entering into the ministry, uh, they're not going to be doing these things. They're going to be, they're going to enter into the ministry believing, hey, I got out of seminary, I have the answers. So they're not going to be trying to listen more. And then they're really going to care about what other people think about them. You know, am I doing a good job preaching or leading or this or that, you know? And so, what I would recommend is do the opposite of that. You need to listen more and uh, you need to, yeah, not be so focused on, you know, the perceptions of others and things of that nature. So, yeah. Cool. Hey, hey, Days, give us your final point on the 10 things that you've learned uh, over the last decade in ministry. Man, I'm having more fun. I think that is uh, a very nice. A very significant point uh, in association with ministry. Not everything that you're going to face in ministry is going to be fun. And I mean, I've heard the the nightmare stories. And and to be very honest and transparent here, man, there's a out of ten years, there's a few seasons which were 
tough, man. I mean, I'm talking hard. I mean, I was scraping the bottom because of multiple things going on in the church and my life and all of these things. But now coming out, I'm having more fun. Uh, I'm enjoying the roles and the responsibilities, the things that I'm doing, the preaching, the encouraging uh, folks in the church and also other pastors. I enjoy what we're doing now. And so I think that uh, fun is not a bad thing. And, uh, you know, as a pastor or and a leader within a ministry, you have to remember that you've got to live and display the culture that you want to see formed in that church. And that culture needs to be based on Christ. Certainly, that's a, that, that shouldn't even need to be said. But let me tell you, I, I want to go to a church that is a warm and engaging, and I want to be with people and it be fun to be with them, not exhausting. I want it to be edifying and, and to build me up and to cheer me on in my race with Jesus, not to just feel like, oh my goodness, here's another Sunday. I've got to do this thing. And so, yeah. And our people need to have fun together, by the way, because once again, a church is not a business. A church is a community of people following Jesus, right? And and living by the spirit of God. And uh, I believe Jesus had fun with his disciples. I believe that a biblical New Testament church should have the type of love and affection for one another where, hey, we can laugh, we can have fun. It's cool. Yeah. And and you may exegete this passage differently uh, than what I can with, with my little brain days, but, you know, Matthew 25, right? And the parable of the talents. And, yeah. and we all remember what he says when he says, hey, you were faithful with little, I will set you over much. But we forget that part, the second part where he says, enter into the joy of your Lord. <laughs> and, and so pastors, church leaders, man, as, as we're sitting here talking, uh, if you're not having fun, if there's not joy there, um, man, uh, now's the time to, to kind of get going. You got a new year ahead of you. Yeah. Um, we want it to be year two, year three, year four, uh, and continue on because we want you to thrive in ministry. Oh, that's exactly right, Kyle. And you know, as a bonus point here, let me just give this final word of encouragement, regardless of where you serve, pastor or ministry leader. Uh, if I could just leave you with one thing uh, this morning, I would say, if you'll be the best Christian that you can be, the best follower of Christ, that means lover of God, lover of your family, uh, these pastoral things are going to come quite a bit easier to you. Uh, don't let your passion and your love for Jesus die. And But if you if you nurture that and you grow that, all of these ministry responsibilities are going to come a whole lot easier. So I'll leave it with that. Cool. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast as Dave shared about the 10 things that he has learned over the last 10 years in ministry. We, we're glad you joined us. Uh, we've got a great lineup coming up uh, in the new year. And, and so I'm just, I'm just stunned uh, at, at some of the stuff. Um, that, that's coming up. I, I'm excited for it. It's going to be uh, fun days to take your 10th point. Uh, man, I, I'm super excited about it. It is going to be fun. And so, yeah, we'll throw in a little commercial there. I won't give the name out, but yeah, on the Thriving in Ministry podcast, you don't just hear from guys like me. I'm the average guy. Everybody knows it. You actually are going to hear from some some people that uh, we're pretty excited. We've got some leaders on a national stage that we'll be interviewing uh, and man, I am excited about it. We're, we're not on a national stage, but uh, no, we're, we're no. international, baby. Uh, you can download podcasts <laughs> all over the world. Shout out South America. So, uh, hey, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, stay in the fight, and we'll talk to you again next week. 